Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the book of Revelation about the reality for the lost. We will either be judged by the blood of Christ or by our works. God has given us the gift of salvation, a chance to have eternity with Him in heaven. However, the wages of sin are death, and the penalty for a life of sin without Christ is eternity in the lake of fire. Sin has to be judged because of God's holiness. Only then can we experience restoration as God's children. Let this message urge you to preach the gospel to the lost or accept it yourself. And now, here's Pastor Eric. As we come to our sermon today, we open God's Word to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. If you're our guest, we say welcome. If you're watching online, we say welcome. And you can open your Bible to Revelation chapter 20. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, that's on page 1040. That Black Pew Bible is our gift to you. If you don't have an ESV Bible, take that Black Black Pew Bible. We'll replace it. We love to do that and give that away. I've titled this morning's sermon, The End for the Unbeliever. (laughs) The End for the Unbeliever. We're looking this morning at the reality for the lost. And I don't imagine that this morning's sermon it is a frequent, frequent one in most pulpits anymore, especially most modern pulpits. The, the end for the unbeliever, the reality for the lost. I mean, if you get pumped up about this sermon and this sermon title, there's probably something wrong, amen? You know, if you get pumped up about preaching the end of the unbeliever or you are pumped up about knowing the reality of the lost, right? But it's God's Word. It's a, it's a key doctrine. It's a key truth. It's been taught throughout church history. And we can't erase this truth. We can't not preach this reality. Uh, growing up, there was a, a guy named Rob Bell. He made these real creative videos called NUMA videos. And everybody who was hip and in youth ministry were drawn to those videos. He was saying uh, biblical truth in a real creative way. And uh, he just kind of had a word to him, but he, he got wrapped up in uh, postmodern theology and, and eventually wrote a book called Love Wins. And his whole premise was there is no hell. In fact, in the end, he believes that love wins, that, that everyone's made right with God. And so a number of people, Francis Chan included, had to come out and, and everybody was coming out and writing books like You Can't Erase Hell and, and talking about the, this key doctrine. So what is the end for the unbeliever? What is the reality of the lost in our community, in our, in our state? What's the reality for our lost neighbors and, and loved ones? We can't get away from this. It, it has to be preached. And yet, this morning's sermon, it's a warning There's still time. There's still time to repent. You don't have to be condemned. If you're watching, there's still time. You don't have to be condemned. They don't have to be lost. And so as we open to the book of Revelation, it's here where John the Apostle is recording his vision. It's the vision that he received from God Almighty, and it's here for us, and it's here that he sees three main objects, three main realities that we must note here in Revelation Chapter 20, 
verses 11 through 15. Three main objects I want you to see this morning, three realities that we have to note, that we have to preach. It shows us the end for the unbeliever. And number one is this. I want you to see the great white throne. Number one, the great white throne. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. John receives the vision. Many times he's written throughout this book, then I saw this, and then I saw this. And what's key to the book of Revelation is the throne. Remember Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5? Everything in Revelation is about the throne. Either things are going to the throne or coming from the throne or the vision of the throne. And many times he's saying, and this is what I saw, and this is what I saw. And many things are hard to understand, right? I mean, when you see it, heavenly, spiritual, supernatural, future, how do you, how do you pin those? How do you write those? And he sees something towards the end of the book. Revelation 20, verse 11, John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated upon it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. First object that I want us to consider, the first reality is this. It's the great white throne. The great white throne. John says, Then I saw a great white throne. Consider the three words. Great, awesome, majestic, glorious. It's not just a throne, but it's a, it's a great throne. He says it's, secondly, a white throne throne. What does the white represent? Probably what we would think it would. Purity, holiness, righteousness. It is a great throne, awesome and majestic. It is a white throne. It is pure and holy. And it is, number three, a throne. It's God's throne. It's Christ's throne. It's His rule, His reign, that there is one on the throne and it's not us. It's not me. It's, it's not you. It's, it's not the person who thinks they sit upon their throne's heart, uh, their heart's throne. God is on the throne. And God alone, He rules, He reigns. This is the final judgment of the unbeliever. In Revelation, you see different judgments, and, and this is the final one. This is the final judgment of the unbeliever. The unregenerate dead are resurrected. Whether great, small, uh, the unregenerate are resurrected, and it's here that they're judged. All unbelievers, regardless of their status, regardless of their time, regardless of their generation, regardless of their death, of how they were killed, when they were killed, of where they were laid to rest, they're raised. And they're resurrected to be judged, to appear before a great white throne. We, we know from Scripture, from John's Gospel, chapter 5, and from the context that... that Jesus is on the throne, that Christ is on the throne, that Jesus is the judge and Jesus is pure. He's the sinless lamb. And all impurity has to flee from His presence. Look at verse 11 again. Then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. And from His presence, earth and sky fled away. Why? Because all impurity, all brokenness, all unrighteousness 
All corruption has to flee from the white throne, from the great white throne. All impurity has to flee from Christ's presence. Who can stand? No place was found, Scripture says, for them. This is the first truth that I want us to think about today and not forget. We have to come back and preach this because it exists. Sadly, some people we know will stand before a great white throne. Will you? Will they? If you don't put Jesus on the throne of your heart, you will eventually seat this throne. If our neighbors and family members and co-workers and classmates don't put Jesus on the throne of their heart, this is what lies in store for them. This is the future reality. It is the end of the unbeliever to stand before a great white throne. I don't imagine that's popular preaching that draws in crowds and goes, oh yes, tell me. <laughs> right? Prosperity gospel, yes. Right? All the, the, the stuff that, right, that, that we think applies here and now, yes, this applies here and now. Amen? And for all eternity. We stand before this throne if we don't know Christ as Savior and Lord. We need to see the basis of this judgment. It is a judgment to stand before a throne. But what's going to be the basis of the judgment? It brings us to the second reality, the second object or, or, or group of objects. Number two, I want you to see the two books. Number one, notice the great white throne. It is, it is the reality for the unbeliever. But number two, there are this, this reality, the, the two books. The two books. A, the book of life. And B, the book of works. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 12. John says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Plural. Books. Scrolls were opened. Then another book. So it tells us this too. Another scroll was opened, which is, we're given the name of that book, the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, in the scrolls, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Right? The sea at this time of history, uh, a mysterious place, a, a, a vast lostness, right? They, they hadn't fully discovered all of the sea. and So whether those, the person was gone to the sea and lost forever or, or what, it doesn't matter. He's, he's saying the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death in Hades, hell, Sheol, the inter, intermediate place, gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged. All the unbelievers, regardless of Time and status and location are raised, resurrected, and judged. He says they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So we have to notice and we still have to preach that there are two books. This is the reality that, that stands for the unbeliever, that there will be before them at the great white throne a book of life. And I'm going to call the other one a book of works. Because we learned that their works are judged. Now John oftentimes borrows imagery from the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, Daniel says, the court sat in judgment and the books were opened. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. And John says here that when they stand, that the books are opened. The book of life 
in the book of works. The book of life has already been mentioned. Time and time again in, in Revelation several times, even the Apostle Paul mentions the book of life in Philippians. So unless we just think this is just John talking about the book of life, no wait, Paul in Philippians talks about the book of life. He says, help those ladies agree their names are in the Lamb's book of life too, right? you know. What's the Lamb's book of life? It contains the names of those who are in right standing with God. Those who've been born again, those who are saved, those, those who have been re regenerated before the foundation of the world, there is this Lamb's book of life. But it appears the other book, the other scroll that's unrolled, is a book of works. Because he says, when they're judged, they're judged according to what they've done. According to what they have done. Two times he says that in verse 12 and in verse 13. So I believe the other book is a, is a book of works. Now you know we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, right? For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of works, not of your own doing, so nobody can boast. But what God Almighty does is He says, if your name is not found in the book of life, I'll show you by your works. I'll show you that you deserve to be condemned. It's the basis of judgment. And who could measure up? Nobody would measure up. There's, there aren't enough good works. Uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, doesn't this show the wages of sin is death and a throne and judgment? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There, there are these books. This is the reality. If you're watching online... <laughs> This is your reality. If you don't know Christ, you will stand before a great white throne, His holiness, and you will be judged. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? What will the book of works say about you, about what you've done? So these first two objects, these first two realities, a throne and books speak of judgment, right? Remember R.A. Torrey, the great evangelist? I love him. I, I, I like Martin Lloyd-Jones. I love to read him. I like A.W. Tozer. I like to read him too. But another is R.A. Torrey. He just speaks and writes the way I think. R.A. Torrey, the great evangelist friend of D.L. Moody, said this, The average person has little faith that there is to be a future judgment. The average person, probably the average Christian, certainly the average lost person in Bartow County, has little faith that there is to be a future judgment. I mean, it's not popular, right? I don't think there's going to be a great white throne and, and the books. And well, surely I've been good enough. I'm a good person. I'll probably go to heaven when I die, right? You ask so many people, do you believe in heaven? Sure. What do you think it takes to get there? Well, I, I think that I'm good and I think that I've done enough. No. No. Ari Tori says, the average person has little faith that there is to be a future judgment, but... When the Spirit of God comes to people, they believe in judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes to us, then we believe in judgment. He opens our eyes, right? The Lord Jesus Christ said, I pray the Spirit would come to convict them in the area of sin and righteousness and what? In judgment. The Spirit comes and we believe in judgment. Can I give you, maybe can we notice today four aspects of judgment? Four aspects about judgment. Number one, I want you to note this, the reality of judgment. The reality of judgment. What does Hebrew 9, 9.27 say? It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 shows us the reality of judgment. It's appointed unto man, all men, once to die, and after that, the, the judgment. Number two, 
I want you to think about the necessity of the judgment. Sin has to be judged, right? It's necessary. God's holiness demands it. Our ultimate salvation. For, for things to be ultimately restored, our ultimate salvation demands it. There's the necessity of the judgment. Number three, when you think about the nature of judgment, Scripture shows us, and there's so many Scriptures that we just don't have time to look at them, but Scripture shows that our sinful thoughts, our sinful words, our sinful actions will be disclosed, revealed, tested, and judged. The wrong will be corrected. It must. And it will be. Number four, when you think about the standard of judgment, what's the standard of judgment? The law of God and the wrath of God. The law of God has to be satisfied. Right? Who could measure up when the book of works... I don't want the book of works to go, Eric, what did you do with the what? Is it 613 commands in the Old Testament? I didn't keep those. Well, Eric, what did you do? Every, every thought disclosed, every word, every m- motive, I mean, I would fail. What's the standard of judgment? The, the holiness of God, the perfection of God, the righteousness of God, the law of God. That's the standard of judgment. Can you satisfy the law of God? Someone did on your behalf. Christ Jesus' life, His sinlessness, the way He lived, He satisfied the law of God for you and for me. What's the standard of of judgment? It's also the wrath of God. The wrath of God has to be poured out on sin. Who satisfied the wrath of God for me and for you? Jesus Christ. His life satisfied the, the law of God. His death satisfied the wrath of God. He is the Lamb. He was slain for you and, and for me. So the standard is Jesus. The standard of judgment is Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? Did you let Jesus be your works and your righteousness and, and satisfy the law of God? Did you let Jesus bear your wrath and become your sacrifice of atonement, your, your propitiation? That's the standard is, is Jesus. Therefore, we need Jesus. They need Jesus. He's our only hope. Am I alone in here this morning? When we're held up to the perfect standard, God's standard, all mankind will fail. The good will never outweigh the bad. As if it's scales and the book of works will show. They were judged according to what they would, uh, had done and God at the great white throne judgment will show. No, you never, the scale will never be tipped in your good favor. You can never tip that scale. You can't do enough. Even your good things are like filthy rags, the Bible says. So the book of works shows this. What's the only hope? The book of life. The Lamb's book of life. Salvation through Jesus is the only way there. How do you get your name in the Lamb's book of life? Jesus. Jesus is the only way there. So the question is, and the great old preachers used to love to preach it, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? So I want us to see the result of the judgment. I want you to see as we come to the third and final object, what's the reality for the unbeliever? What's the end? What's, what happens to the lost? Well, you could say it's the two C's. They're condemned and cast. And so the third final object I want you to see this morning is the lake of fire. The lake of fire. Look at Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. We left off there. John says, Then death and Hades, hell, Sheol the grave, 
were thrown into the lake of fire. They were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I mean, what an awful thought. Like, I don't know how to paint this awful enough. (laughs) But this is the reality for the unbeliever. This is called the second death, the lake of fire. It's eternal. It is forever. This is the final separation from God. They are at the great white throne They are judged according to the books, the book of life and the book of works. The book of works show that they don't meet the standard, that they don't pass the test. Depart from me into the lake of fire forever separated. And the Bible says that even Hades, even hell, where they go now, even hell is thrown into the lake of fire. So the ultimate end for the unbeliever is not hell. The ultimate end is the lake of fire. Even hell is thrown into the lake of fire. And it's eternal. It is forever and ever. Look back, if you want to, in uh, verse 10 of the chapter, where Satan is thrown. Uh, Chapter 20, verse 10, you don't have to put it on the screen, son. Uh, It says this, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, I don't believe that they're thrown into the lake of fire and annihilated. I think if Satan is tormented in the lake of fire forever and ever, I think it, it's the same for anyone whose name's not found written in the book of life. They're thrown into the lake of fire. So there are no words to describe this place of torment. I, I, I don't know that John, you know, sometimes he, he tries and he doesn't try. <laughs> I don't know how you paint this picture of how awful it is. But it's the final climax of the unbeliever. So Scripture paints this picture. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Rob Bell. Love doesn't win here. Judgment wins. There's no universalism here. No, everybody makes it. To, there's no second chance here. There's no purgatory here that, that they can somehow work their way out of this. And somehow, no, everybody doesn't go to heaven in the end. Everybody doesn't get a second chance. They, there is no non-existence for them. It is eternity separated from God and it's called the second death. Why? Because they've experienced the first death, a separation from the body. But this second death is a separation from God for forever. Sin has to be paid for. I think it's even good for us as saved to go back and to know this, to to know the seriousness of sin and that sin has to be paid for and to know that there is retribution and separation in the end. That there has to be, God's justice demands it, retribution and separation. And this is the final verdict. This is the final verdict in Scripture. It can't be changed. It can't be appealed. There's no, uh, can you change this? But can I appeal this? Can this? No. It stands for all eternity. It should do something in our lives. We'll talk about that. Notice who's seemingly absent here? Christians. Absent. 
at these events. I believe our destiny is different. We teach, we believe, one end times view that, that Christians will be with the Lord, that we won't experience this great white throne judgment, that we go before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, that our works are judged, not our salvation. That, that's in Corinthians, right? What's noticeable here is seemingly absent. It's, it's not for us. There are other views uh, uh, that view that, that they do believe that it would be before uh, believers and unbelievers, but regardless, you understand the point. There's a judgment. But our destiny is different because if we know Christ, our name's in the book of life. Aren't you glad? So this passage shows us that we have to think much about, of God and much about sin. We need to think and make much of God and make much of Sin And so all of these objects, these three objects, these three realities, they all point to the holiness of God, don't they? The righteousness of God. They also point to the wickedness of sin and the, the, the seriousness of sin. So we should live this way with God's holiness in mind. Sin's terribleness in mind. What if I lived with this in mind more often? It would change a lot. Did you notice in the Bible that Satan and Adam calls sinfulness at the beginning, and the Father and the Son call sinlessness at the end. It's Satan and Adam who call sinfulness at the beginning, but it's the Father and the Son and the Spirit who call sinlessness at the end. No more sin has to be dealt with, and it is at the great white throne judgment. It is through the lake of fire. And Jesus' eternal kingdom comes in 21 and 22, chapter 21 and 22, and it's perfect. It is holy. It's to the glory of God. As I close, how then should we live? Right? We always ask the application. How then should I live? How then should you live? I want to suggest four things. Number one, we should understand and repent. If you're lost here today and you don't know if your name's in the Lamb's book of life, understand this and repent. It means change. It means turn away from your sin to God. If you're watching online, this is the reality of the lost. But you don't have to remain lost. You don't have to remain an unbeliever. So this is for you. Number one, understand and repent. Understand God's holiness. That sin separates you from God. Understand the wages of sin is eternal death. And repent. Put your faith in Christ. Number two, if you've done this, we should act with urgent compassion for the lost. Amen? We should, this could, should cause me to act with urgent compassion for my neighbor and for the lost. We should view everybody as they're either going to be at the judgment seat of Christ or they're going to be at the great white throne judgment. Their name's either in the Lamb's book of life or their name's going to be in the book of works and it's not going to measure up. They're going to either be in the kingdom of God forever or in the lake of fire forever. And so it should cause us to act. To, to give, to pray, to go with urgent compassion. Urgent compassion for the lost. I should think about people more in this context. And they should be warned. It's why you know, I haven't really preached this kind of sermon. Like, like, but this is, we have to preach this. It's the warning. It's the warning. Number three, as believers, this can also give us hope. We can rest on universal justice for all. That's the great cry in our day, right? I'm oppressed. Where's justice? When will justice come? When will things be made right and fair? Oh, it will be in the end. God will give universal justice to every nation, every people group, every wrong, every Hitler, every whatever, you know, Putin, whoever. Like God will, God will make all this brokenness in this world, all the sin, all the, all the... Justice will come for all. God's pure. He's holy. 
He's just. He'll make everything right. He's righteous. Number four, we should rejoice in our gracious salvation. Amen? Oh, you should rejoice today that God's graciously, freely given us salvation. We should thank God for it. I should read this and go, God, but God, thank you. That's not my end. God, thank you for your grace that, that my name's in the Lamb's book of life, that it can never be blotted out. God, thank you for what, what I've received. Because John's going to go on. He said, then I saw, oh, then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. I saw a new Jerusalem and there's no more death. And God, oh, it's, it's just going to be so beautiful. So we should read this and we should thank the Lord for who we are. As we did this morning, I thought, how is Brother Andrew going to, what songs do you select this morning to go with this passage? But brother, they're beautifully before the throne of God above. I have a perfect plea, Right? We sing you something. You know, I'm no longer a slave of fear. I'm a child of God. To know, to to read this and to go, no, I know who I am, and I'm and I'm thankful for God's salvation to me and for me. As I close, is there is there a way out? Maybe you're watching and you, you ask, is there a way out for the currently lost? Yes, there's still time. Aren't you thankful? There's still time. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There's still time. God says right now it's the patience of God for our family members and friends to come and to find their, their name in the Lamb's book of life and not have the eternity of the lake of fire. There's still time. It's a patient God who doesn't want them to perish, but He says, but the day of the Lord will come. It will come one day like a thief. So there's, there's still time. And Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way for you. You can plead the mercy of Christ today. Jesus said these words. Hear them in the Gospel of John chapter 3, 35 and 36. He said, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Right? Even unto the lake of fire. Father's given all things to the Son, even judgment. You believe in the Son, you have eternal life. If you don't obey the Son, right? Even the works, you don't obey because you don't have faith. You, don't, it, it, you, you haven't repented and put your faith alone in Christ alone. You won't see life, Jesus says, but the wrath of God will remain. We have to have that wrath of God removed. And it's, it's through the cross. It's through the resurrection. It's through your faith in Jesus. One last passage. John chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. Jesus says, this is how we know it's Christ on the throne. Jesus says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, Christ on the throne, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Listen to this last verse. Jesus said, Truly, truly, verily, verily, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever, whoever hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. It's the words of Jesus. Whoever hears my word and believes, you have eternal life. You don't come into judgment. You've passed from death. To life. I invite you today, if you realize that you're lost, that you're headed to one of these 
realities. Do the three things, maybe the three R's. Realize, repent, and receive. Realize that you're a sinner. Realize your need. Number two, repent, turn away from your sin to God. And then number three, receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Receive a free gift of salvation. That's what it means to be saved. There's still time. You can change. Your name can be changed. It can be in the Lamb's book of life if you will realize you're a sinner, repent of your sins, and receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Thank God for His mercy to you. If you're saved, thank God. Father, I thank You for Your mercy to me through Your Son. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.